wanted to start the show talking about what you prepared to do to keep your streets safe in your community. Um, this after I saw an article about Wilhelmina Mina. They call her Tani Mina and Auntie Mina. And she doesn't allow the fact that she has got arthritis and water retention and blood pressure. She goes on patrol, as she has done for the past 10 years, um, volunteering to do neighborhood, neighborhood watches. But it's not in the middle of the day. It's at 4.30 in the morning. And she goes and she's joined by her neighbors, Margaret Volhuter and Elizabeth Jacobs. And they're in their 60s. And they go around and all they've got in their hands are torches. And they go around and they clear the streets of skellums. They question them. And there's something about the grannies who used to sit on the stoop and say to lighties, why aren't you at school? She goes, she goes, she, she, she says she's not there to be popular. She, she, and she's, she's got no fear. Um, and she will go up. Um, she's, she said she's gone to drug dealers and told them to stop their nonsense. You can imagine her. I don't know if when you grew up, you were afraid of someone who said, what are you doing here? I'm going to tell your mother. Um, Many people aren't concerned about uh, that anymore, but she is still doing that. And I wanted to talk about the issue of neighborhood watches. I'd love to hear from you if you're part of a neighborhood watch. I, I spoke with a Bronwyn Moore from Community Cohesion, and her um, NGO evolved out of working in a neighborhood watch. And it starts off people being prepared often in the middle of the night, to go out into the streets. Once you go into the streets, you become aware of what goes on and you become aware that you're part of a community and you part of you become aware that you've got a role to play. And once um, the community becomes cohesive, hence the term community cohesion, um, then it's it you're, you're doing something positive. So it's not about blaming the police for not doing their job. It's about being proactive and saying, this is what I'm doing. I know somebody else who who um, works really hard. She's in the catering business. So, you know, they get up at the crack of dawn to get things out ready for these big catering events. But yet, uh, on a certain regular basis, in the middle of the night, she goes on patrol. I'd love to hear from you if you are part of a neighborhood watch or if you're interested in setting up a, a neighborhood watch. I'm also asking you about where you volunteer because I mean essentially that's what what neighborhood watches are about but if we talk about growing communities volunteering is also part of them I was I was reading something about uh, brownies or girl scouts and I thought wow I wonder where all those volunteers come from I'd love to hear if you were a girl scout or a brownie or if you are one of the people who volunteer I'd like to hear from you if you are somebody who volunteers are you somebody who volunteers I know I'm associated with Lifeline the organization there's a huge amount of volunteers who are prepared to be up at night take calls um, are prepared to facilitate on 
personal growth courses, on counselling courses, again and again and again. Volunteering is such a wonderful process. I'd love to hear what kind of volunteering you do in your community. I'm also going to play you a clip of Wentworth Miller. He is uh, apparently in, a, in something called prison break. Am I getting that right? Mollebongwe is nodding at me. And he gave a speech at a human rights campaign dinner in Seattle. And he talks about um, needing for for there to be someone that people can reach out to. But I'll, I'll, I'll let him speak for himself. And it, for me, ties in with the whole idea of a community and 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 having a sense of community and, and a sense where people can be other in a community. And then um, the last hour of the show, I'm going to be chatting to Monica Cromhurt, who is an astrologer. Uh, there was a partial eclipse of the sun. I'd also like to hear from you if you actually saw it. Did you clock it? Did you uh, forget it? It, it? it wasn't a major eclipse, um, but it was... Uh, you obviously needed to be facing in the right direction this evening. And um, I'm wondering when you look up to the sky and you look at the stars and the constellation of the stars, you consider that what you what you see in the sky might actually affect your life. And so Monica Cromhurt is going to be talking about the current planetary alignments. That will be after the, um, uh, after the one o'clock clock over. And then I'm also going to be playing a clip of Lawrence O'Donnell who talks about Dakota and the, the protest that's happening in Dakota. And he talks about the Native Americans, the kind of treatment they have had um, and kind of makes a circular argument for that. Um, I'm going to start the show talking about something really, really ridiculous. Chopsticks. I don't know if, if you get them and you know that the top part of the chopsticks are joined together. And I don't know if, like me, what you did, you separated it out and then there were splinters on the top of the chopsticks. And I discovered that the top piece is not just to keep the chopsticks together. So I'm going to see if anyone else um, also had come to this realization. Let somebody show their brilliance and share what it's really for. Um, we spoke to Danny Oosterhuizen a while back, and he was talking about what it was like to be form formerly homeless and, and needing employment. And that ties in, I suppose, with the neighbourhood watchers, is understanding that m much of the, the, the issues are about unemployment and homelessness. And um, I saw that somebody had designed a tent that when you take the tent down, you can wear it as a coat. And a coat that doubles as a sleeping bag. Because what Danny was saying is, what do you do with your stuff if you don't have a home? When you've got a home, you take all these things for granted. And he was reminding us that if you don't have a place for your stuff, you've got to wear it or carry it with you. So um, these are one of, of the many little bits and bobs, as I said to Kaketsa, that we'll weave into the show. Let's go now to Hanif uh, Lunat in Lansdowne. Um, morning, Hanif. You've, you've been a community worker for a long time. Um, do you know the 76-year-old the, the, the who patrols the, the streets? Good morning, Wendy. 
She's 76. In, in the article, it said she's one of the oldest. But you're saying there are many people who are older who are part of Neighborhood Watchers. I've got a lady that's 78 that does the island areas with us on a regular basis. Yes. And uh, these are people that should be Asleep. should be protected and not should yes. be and should not be protecting. Mm. It, it just shows that the. You know, I always say this, Lindy, that God picks people for certain uh, issues, for certain jobs to be done. And these are the people that God has chosen, God has selected in protecting their communities. Mm. And we sometimes ask ourselves, what drives these people Mm. to do precisely this? Mm. And uh, I'm still trying to find an answer. I've been asked quite often, you go to so much of retribution from both the police who should be out there protecting us and from the community, and yet you go on doing this. And then I ask myself, why are we really doing this? Here's your answer. If a 78-year-old person can go out sacrificing her bed during the odd hours of the night, during the odd hours of the morning, uh, protecting our communities in ensuring that the kids go to school unhindered mm. tells you that there's a reason behind it. These people have come to a realization that the responsibility lies with us. Mm. We are our own protectors. We cannot expect the South African Police Service nor any other law enforcement entity to protect us. We need to take this upon ourselves and say, let us play our part. Mm. Police cannot protect every street or every home. And, what, and and it, it, it's also, for me, it's that sense of knowing your community. Um, and, you know, you're somebody who knows your community. It's about knowing who who is in the community. I mean, you know, Tani Mina, uh, you can imagine, she says everyone knows us. So in her area in which she works, people know who she is, even though she's wearing this bright yellow jacket. It's, and people know you because you've been there and you've been visible in the community. Yes, you're right, Lindsay. What happens here is people entrust their lives unto you. They they believe that you are the right person. And this only comes about in in the interaction that happens over the years. Mm. It's what you produce and what you contribute. Mm. Auntie Nina is one person that's not only protecting the community, she's been serving the community, even in social basis, Mm. where if there's a funeral, 
she would go about mobilizing the community and ensuring that the, pers- the deceased person gets a humble and a repeatable uh, exit from this world. Mm, mm. That, it's not only about protecting. Mm. These are people that contribute in more ways than just security. Mm. And it's about, I suppose, people getting together. I mean, that's that sense that if it was just her, um, she goes with the other ladies. Um, it's also about fearlessness. It's about knowing your place and knowing that you're there for everyone. Um, I mean, for her to walk up to someone and say, stop your nonsense. I mean, you can, I can even hear her saying it. It wouldn't probably be in English. <laughs> um, you know, it, do you think it's about, um, do you think it's hard for people to get involved or do you think it's easier than, than people think? It's amazing when somebody gets involved in such a service, mm. it happens overnight. It's without any realization. Mm. Uh, for myself, I could say I've been doing this for 22 years of my life. Mm. And you, we do sometimes ask ourselves, how did we get into this mm. situation where we serve the community in an aspect that could sacrifice our lives, mm. that could put us at risk, and yet we take on, uh, in many instances, if you look at what has gone through my life in the last 11 years in the Western Cape, mm. where I had to take on the triads, I had to take on local gangsters, uh, prominent, well-known gangsters. I had to take on corrupt police officers. And then we ask, what drives these people to do this? Is it the fear of God? Is it, is it uh, the calling that was bestowed upon them? And I tell you, uh, Lindsay, the minute you get into this and you do it with the right reasons, you won't even bother asking yourself, why am I doing this? Mm. Because people can tell you to stop doing it, but it is really impossible. And this Auntie Mina and many like her haven't come about Johnny come lately. They've been doing this over the last 40, 50 years, servicing their communities. That is why it makes it so much easier for them to go on doing this. I like the part where you said, for people to respect these elderly people, they must have earned this respect over the years. Mm, mm. I mean, to tell gangsters to stop your nonsense mm. is not an easy task today. Mm. The chances of them putting a knife through you is as easy as walking, a, uh, cutting a cake. Mm. And I promise you, this happens every day where these elderly people would walk the street and command the respect mm. they deserve. Mm. And for me, it's telling that it's the woman and, and that, that whole idea that, that women sitting on the stoop would be the eyes and the ears. Um, and and uh, there is a respect. I don't know whether, it's, I mean, even a gangster has a mother who probably told him, you know, stop your nonsense too. <laughs> yeah, um, you're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, you're in the Mitchell's uh, 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 Plain area. You've done a lot of work in that area. But I'm assuming that starting a neighborhood watch in any area would be the same. Uh, practically the same. Uh, although I always say that once, you, uh, one size does not fit all, 
Okay. But, we, but it's practically in the same basis. We experience the same type of crimes uh, in practically the whole of the game. Mm. We have the same phenomenon when it comes to crime, and it's the same issues that uh, that escalate crime in every every community. So, mm. so it's not different from one area to the other. But I can tell you that in many instances, uh, you get the more middle class and then obviously the challenged areas and the upper class in, uh, in any community. And you'll find that the crimes differ in those three categories. So where me, Antimina and them work is definitely the challenged areas. Uh, and fortunately, I've been given the opportunity of walking those streets with them, mm. although I'm from the more middle-class area. Mm. So there are many that don't understand the, uh, the dynamics around crime mm. in their communities. Mm. If I have to explain to you the type of crime that is experienced in the townships, in the Mannenbergs, in the Mitchell's Plain, in the Blickies Dog, mm. uh, you would sit back and say, is this guy from outer space? What absolute nonsense is he talking about? But you need to experience it. Um, just the other day, I had a call at 3 o'clock in the morning uh, to come and assist people in Blickensorp, where the community was going to be attacking a, an alleged rapist of the old girl. Uh, to go and fight in that community, to go and protect that particular individual, it's not the same as going to protect somebody in a more middle class, uh, like the Rhinelands uh, areas, the uh, predominantly middle class areas. Um, so people need to understand that there are challenges that these people encounter every day in ensuring that they protect the community. It's not as easy as you think. Auntie Mina also will tell you that the she has had encounters where she feared for her life. In this interview, I was sitting there while she was being interviewed by uh, the journalist. And I can tell you, it is daunting when she says that there were times when she went through trauma to see people being shot and killed where bodies were lying in mm. front of her. Mm. And there was absolutely nothing she could do. Yep. She couldn't stop the killing. She knew the kids that were committing the crimes, but just couldn't get to stop them to do it. Uh, it is unfortunate that the youth of today uh, have lost the respect of the elders. They've lost the respect. They've, in fact, lost self-respect. Unlike the old days, Lindsay, where gangsters uh, would be sitting in the corners, but if an elderly woman walked down uh, Mendenburg streets with a pay, mm. they would they would offer to assist in carrying those bags. Today, they would rather rob the lady or the gen of his uh, ways that they are carrying instead of assisting them in making sure that they reach their uh, home safely. So these are the, the experiences that these people encounter every day. But it's uh, not like it used to be. I mean, Hanif, you talk about you know the challenges and how some young people don't respect, but the the balance to that, um, having worked with young people in this area, um, 
I know some young people who, um, as you say, they, they, they live every day. It's a question of bullets every night. Um, and, and it's a question of the, the neighbor's house being burnt down. And despite the risk to them, they are prepared to speak out, which is at great risk. And they are prepared, you know, to, to, to go one step further. As you say, there's an element of corrupt cops, and, and often people know who those people are. They are prepared to collect evidence and say, until there's evidence, nothing's going to happen with the corrupt cops. So, you know, there is that balance of a whole lot of really plucky young people who are saying, this is not on. I can't live like this that I worry that my house is going to burn down because, you know, it's being targeted. Lydia, I'm just a little bit worried at this stage that there are very few of those youth that are coming forward to, to this realization that you've just mentioned. Mm. They need to realize that the youth need to be an example. They need to become the protectors and the leaders of tomorrow. Mm. And the only way they could do this is taking the baton now from the older people mm. and telling these older people, uh, giving the assurance to these older people that we will now protect you. You can go home and relax. Your place is in your homes uh, to be safe, and we are around in the communities mm. in ensuring your safety. But unfortunately, due to, due to the lexy-daisy attitude of our community, uh, Europe, in our communities, that the older people have to continue doing what they were doing 20, 30 years ago because they have realized that there isn't youth leadership today as we had in the past. It is unfortunate that uh, our kids are challenged. Uh, they've been, they so easily succumb to the inv- invite of these criminals. Uh, if you talk to a youngster, you know, just the other day, uh, remembering talking to a nine-year-old youngster in Mendenburg who proudly showed us how he could dismantle a gun within seconds and put it together within seconds. And his mother is extremely proud of what he does. Now, that is something that I fear. Mm, that parents are encouraging gangsterism and drugs, not realizing that mother, in fact, I was so upset that I told the mother, that you should be upset that your son can handle this gun at the age of nine. He shouldn't even know there's such a thing as a gun. And you go about clapping hands in my presence. Uh, extremely proud of what your son has done. Tomorrow he's going to use that very gun to shoot you and your neighborhood and the community. So please do not encourage. Keep them away. He's too young to be in this field. But it is unfortunate that these youngsters are enticed by gangsters in the areas to join them. In fact, uh, they started to use kids of 12 and 13 to do, to, the, to do the hits on their behalf, unlike the old days where experienced gangsters were used. Uh, well, of course, they, the they're youth, so they, they, they don't get the same sentence. So it's done strategically. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. no fingerprints yeah. uh, on the record of these youngsters. Yeah, yeah. And the chances of these kids getting away is greater. Mm. Uh, who would suspect a 12-year-old kid if you walk in the streets of carrying a gun? And it is unfortunate sometimes they're even using the aged people, the older people in our communities. We know they are using females who are pushing prams down the street in those prams' uh, arms. 
uh, weapons and there's uh, drugs being uh, transported from one area to the other. Um, these are the challenges we experience every day. You even get instances where police vehicles are being used to transport drugs and guns from gangsters from one area to the area, to another area. So with all that in mind, it's a daunting task for these aged people that really contribute um, selflessly in ensuring our communities are safe. And it's just unfortunate we do not reciprocate in any form. I'm talking with Hanif Lunat. Hanif, if, if people are, are wanting to get involved in a neighborhood watch, um, what are the kinds of things that they're often afraid of? It's unfortunate. Um, there are many reasons that contribute to many of these guys not getting involved. Uh, one is obviously the safety, the risk factor, knowing the circumstances that they uh, experience. Uh, when uh, going out uh, in those streets, people know the areas, they know what the challenges are, and they know what they encounter on a daily basis. And uh, what happens then, then these, obviously these are the factors that then discourages them from uh, going out. The second thing is, obviously, uh, the police not reciprocating, not offering the assistance that these neighborhood watch members deserve. And what happens then is obviously discourages them and um, makes them feel uh, that they are wasting their time in contributing. I know of neighborhood watchers that go out the streets and then call these South African police services to come and assist uh, at the scene of a crime. And they would take hours before they come there. By the time they do come there, the, the members are at risk uh, of retribution from these criminals. Or, or alternatively, I need to admit that some of our neighborhood watchers would also go to the extent of uh, of dealing with the criminal uh, excessively. Uh, I'm talking about violently. Yes. So the police are contributing to all these factors. And uh, my plea out today is, please, if you want a partnership, the partnership that our beloved leader Nelson Mandela was talking about in 1995 where he said I, I was sitting in Pretoria when he spoke to us who were putting the policies together and he said he would like to see a future relationship between the South African police service and the communities where the community will no longer be scared of the South African police service. Uh, and the South African police service could then depend on the community. A relationship should be built. Unfortunately, uh, it worked for a period, I would say between 1998 to about 2005. After that, that relationship just fell apart for many reasons. And one of those reasons are that many South African police service members uh, realized that the stronger the neighborhood watches became, the less they could indulge themselves in the corruption that persists in the communities. Police realized that the neighborhood watches will be watching over them. And there is no place to hide because wherever they have to go uh, to get the corrupt activities under, uh, uh, being committed, they realized that uh, the neighborhood watches were watching. So they had to discourage neighborhood watches.
If you ask any corrupt police officer today, what does he think of neighborhood watches? He would tell you blatantly that neighborhood watches are corrupt. They would obviously turn the, the, the issue around and blame it onto the neighborhood watches. Why should the neighborhood watches be corrupt? Because if they are corrupt, it is easier for you to arrest them. It is easier for you to to, to get them um, on the act. Mm. But unfortunately, I can tell you that neighborhood watches are, uh, while there are a few elements within neighborhood watches that use this particular entity to, to also... Uh, push the agendas where they are. Of course, are I mean, there's no doubt about that. And we're not, I mean, I think the thing is not to get bogged down in that. It's about thinking, okay, that, that is a reality. And this is about saluting the people who, despite that, have forged incredible relationships uh, with uh, with community workers and police in in many areas, and and about saluting the men and women who go out in the in in the morning, uh, even though they have, as you say, you know, often older people or people who are working, they stretch themselves and they're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And so, thank you for coming on Cape Talk. I really appreciate your time and the and the work that you've done in the community. It's a pleasure, Leslie. And uh, to my fellow listeners, I would like to encourage them. Please join this forum because it's the only way we're going to protect our communities uh, and pr- protect us from these scourges of crime that is really taking us. It's really taking us backwards over the last few years. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that.